0: Inescapably, inescapably,
1: inescapably, inescapably foreign. Welcome to Without Borders. I'm your host, Nolan Yuma. If this is your first time tuning into the show, know that this is the show for expats, nomads, immigrants, refugees, third culture kids, or anyone else that feels inescapably foreign. And remember, if you are an English language learner, you can access the transcript at withoutborders.fyi. I also provide a bunch of interesting articles and written stories there as well. Today, I'm here with Eva Briatkova. Uh, She is from Slovakia and has been living in Vancouver, Canada for the past 12 years. Her background is in nursing, uh, but she's now currently working as a paramedic and a first aid uh, instructor. We met in uh, the experimental marketing world. We'll touch on that later. Uh, But Eva, how are you? How are you doing today?
0: Very well, nice to see you.
1: It's good to see you too. We haven't seen each other, well, we spoke a little bit yesterday, but we haven't seen each other in six years, or no, I think eight years. Yeah, that's great. Before that. Yeah. It's yeah, had been wild. Yeah. 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 So where, where are you right now?
0: I'm on Vancouver Island for a holiday for this um, winter season. Yeah. Enjoying a quiet time from a hectic Vancouver.
1: Yeah. Okay. So... Uh, why has your life been so hectic lately?
0: Um, I think Vancouver's become hectic um, when you get a little bit of snow. Everything is hectic in Vancouver. Say <laughs> so has to disappear.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, maybe some listeners might be surprised by that because all, often when you go traveling and you mention that you're from Canada, people just picture snow right away. Sure. But that's not the case in Vancouver, right? Yeah. Um. So, what brought you to Canada originally?
0: Um, my story is um that I follow pretty much someone else's dream, to be honest to you. And now I live in my own dream. But uh, yeah, I used to be in love with uh, that time my ex-husband. He was from Czech Republic and um that was his dream. He used to do uh, extreme sports. So it was always his dream to visit and we visit first and I love it. Um, I just didn't know how the immigration process is going to take and how long that's going to take. Um, but yeah, I kind of follow a person and his dream, and it becomes my my life. So yeah, that's my story.
1: Okay, well, let, let's uh, get into some of the details there. What was the immigration process like for you?
0: Um, Canada wasn't the first country. So I previously, prior to Canada, I went to Czech Republic, Austria, and then Ireland. And uh, so when I came to Canada, I didn't expect uh, as much um, time to get through all the immigrations papers and the process actually um, it was it was hard to apply um, to any type of uh, uh, working visa for me as a nurse as our education doesn't transfer, so my credential didn't transfer that time um, and you know you're losing time right like so the more you're waiting for your credentials, the skills and uh, the knowledge um, has a certain time of limit that you can use it for, let's say evaluation or challenge the exams. So unfortunately, that take a quite while, about about five years. Uh, so you have a temporary visa, but you need to have a permanent resident, if I'm not mistaken, and then a citizen to be working as a nurse, you know, or in, in any type of healthcare industry. So for me. Uh, the goal was to be getting back to my job as soon as possible to not lose my credentials but um it didn't work that way so that's why we met in experiential marketing
1: yeah so but so why didn't it work out that way so y- you said you have 5 years to challenge the exams
0: uh, no 5 years to get all my visa in a process so it was a long uh, it was a long time because they changed um quite the rules quite often right so one year you can apply for a type of visa that certain type of work uh is eligible but for nurses i haven't had that luck so again my simply put it my my um credentials didn't transfer to here right so i would need to go back to school
1: i hear that a lot in in canada's case like doctors nurses even teachers i know a teacher from england uh she had a master's degree uh 20 years of experience came to british columbia and then they said no you can't teach in the public schools here and then there's a shortage of teachers it's just like there's no logic to it whatsoever it's ridiculous
0: it's just like you have a shortage of nurses as well right yeah Mm -hmm. i'm not sure how with the teachers but i would boldly say with nurses again and not even doctors like um you really have to practice your skill. Medicine is improving all the time, and you have very limited time to just be, you know, on the track. So, that's true. Yeah. I, that's... I was in ICU, so that's very specific um, field to have uh, your diploma in, and it's just it's not really easy to just keep up with everything when you're not practicing.
1: Okay. Now, what if we're comparing quality of life? Because um, I have to look at the numbers, but it was twenty something thousand a year. That you can get paid as a paramedic um, and as a nurse uh, in Slovakia, but of course the living expenses are way lower yeah. than in Vancouver, Canada, and in Canada in general. Um, and just looking at that wage for relating it to in Spain, um, which I think is probably a little bit more expensive than Slovakia, but you could get you could get by, like you would have a decent life with that wage. Yeah. Um, and then I was looking at the wages in, in Canada, and they're kind of all over the place with paramedics. And I know you're part of a union, so we can't get into the specifics there. Um, but uh, I read that starting out, you can end up getting paid less than minimum wage, $2 an hour, um, which is, sounds horrific to me because I think paramedics should be celebrated in our society. It's one of the most important jobs. And then, but it does look like it goes up quite a bit, right? It looks like you can end up making a good uh, wage with seniority. Um, but what would you say? Because I know you can't get into specifics about the numbers, but just when we're talking about quality of life, um, do you feel like you can have a much higher quality of life in Vancouver, Canada, as a paramedic? Or would you have a higher quality of life in uh, Slovakia?
0: That's a very good question. Um. And we can take it from many perspectives so um, I believe in first of all I believe in terms of the money like once you enter healthcare industry you doing that from from your heart from the help to others right it's just it's not always about like you want to become a rich person for sure and I think that's speaking for most of people but um, yeah quality of life in terms of what can I afford and um how much I can travel? What kind of experience in one day, for example? Or um, then I would say in here for sure. Um, mm-hmm. In terms of uh, education and a free education and a good healthcare, getting in surgery the same day, you seeing your GP, having insurance, that will be Slovakia. Like we still have that standard of um, kind of a social system that builds. Um, and in so, it a care for people in a, in a really different way than
1: in Vancouver. You know, like if you have lots of okay, benefits, so you, you find that there's a a stronger social safety net. Yes, that's true,
0: hundred percent.
1: In the health sector,
0: yeah. Oh, in in the health sector, and um, yeah, if you need uh, benefits for any kinds, or if you elderly, or if you handicap, or anything that you need, or if you if you're a good student but you don't have money to study, that's that's definitely you can you can achieve. Um, much more back home. Yeah. And the healthcare is unbelievably uh-huh. incomparable. It's just, we we do have uh, preventable measures so you have to have your GP. There is no way that you cannot just have GP at home. Um, You have to show up to annual screening and uh, you pretty much have we call it anamnases. So basically the doctor would know when they see you in the ER that you are no enuma. You were born in this and this time and Previous surgeries and yeah, everything is documented, so um, it's easy for access. If you're in, for example, if you're in emergency, so it's very different.
1: Yeah, because that in Canada, some things are documented, um, but then some things aren't. When it comes to vaccinations, like uh, I think, well, I think I actually did lose my travel vaccination booklet, and that kind of screws me over in Canada yeah. because it's not in the system.
0: Yeah, it's it's a it's a different yeah. Well, one of my colleagues called it antique, and I think that's a good word for it. It's like a like it's something older. Even if the, the country is very new, it's everything is a little bit slower that way. Like,
1: yeah. So you f- you feel in Canada it's slower?
0: Yeah, I would say, I would say yeah, yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah, that that's interesting because well, I'm in Spain right now, right? Um, and I've lived in Belgium. Uh, well. Lived in, lived in Vietnam and Chile as well, but actually long-term, mostly just Belgium, Spain, and Canada. And out of those three countries, Belgium's healthcare system is the best. Um, it is one of the best healthcare systems in the world. Yes. I just found the qual, Of course, talking partially about personal experience and partially from statistics as well, but the quality of doctors I found better there. Um, for instance, once uh, in Canada... I had a mole in my tear duct and of course I could have been melanoma mm. and I went to one doctor in Canada and he said yeah that could be melanoma I said oh, okay uh so what do I do now he said well I'm actually retiring soon so I'm going to send you to another doctor <laughs> It's was like <Thanks>. okay I yeah, guess <laughs> yeah. you're not that passionate about your work anymore <laughs> sends me to another doctor then uh, the other doctor looks at my eye, says, "Yeah, could be me melanoma." I was like, "Okay, what are you gonna do?" He's like, "I'm gonna take a picture and send it to another doctor." Mm-hmm. Takes a picture with his iPhone, <laughs> sends it to another doctor. Then I go to that other doctor, um, <laughs> and then they say, "Yeah, uh, it could be, it could be melanoma, it could be skin cancer, um, but we could take a biopsy. But if the biopsy doesn't go..." correctly then the cancer can spread so you know i don't really know and then at that point my mom got into it and she was like okay fuck this um we're talking to a doctor in belgium uh luckily we were going to belgium anyways ended up getting into a hospital right away um, they said biopsy will, if you do the biopsy correctly, there's no chance of it spreading. Yeah. And he said, I'm a professional, I'll do it, pro- I'll do it correctly. Yeah. So took the biopsy, ended up not being skin cancer and everything was fine. Um, but it was just like the whole process was faster. The, the quality was much higher. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: I'm glad to hear Yeah. That's, that's, uh, quite terrifying. Well, funny, but <laughs> not if you, when you're the <laughs> yeah. patient, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, uh, but then here in Spain, um, I definitely miss the healthcare system in Canada. Um, like here, it's it, so many of the doctor offices close because mm-hmm. you have, even in the healthcare system, you have um, the siesta culture yeah, and right. uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. the culture of just taking paro and taking, paro is taking EI and um, taking, or no, not not paro, sorry, uh, puente, uh-huh. which is um, when you have a holiday and then you take another holiday between the two holiday days, <laughs> so there are times where it's really difficult to get to get into a doctor's mm. office. So usually, if something is wrong with me, I go to the emergency, yeah, which is something I don't want to do morally because I feel like emergencies should only be for four emergencies, yeah. <laughs> but it's just the only way I can get get to see a doctor right away uh what what do you think about that am i being morally wrong there
0: no no my sister used to live in spain and uh she would say the same in terms of a post office as well like she have to time which day and which particular hour if she want to send something somewhere it's just it's i think they quite know i, I don't know how much is in italy is the same but yeah i heard i heard spain is definitely uh in slovakia we have no siesta. people actually are well known by working like um our uh, around the clock. They're really hard workers, I would say. So um and it's very nice to see, you know, that when I travel um and I emigrate wherever you call it in different countries, the Slovaks usually have a pretty good reputation in terms of how they work. Uh so um yeah, I think the laziness is not building it us for sure. Um but uh yeah maybe we can start with CS I would love to actually that's a good idea. To start with CS, with the ambulance. I would love to do CS down ambulance, that's for sure. I think I will bring it up. Yeah, it will be fun. It will be fun.
1: Nice. Um, Well, yeah, so Slovakia, I read about that too, that Slovakians are hard workers, and it's definitely part of the the culture. Um, Actually, when I was reading about, I was looking up uh, Slovakian person, or Slovak, sorry, personality traits, um, that popped up. And for some reason, whenever you look up something about Slovak, it always pops up related to women. And it's like, um, I guess Slovak women have a reputation to be very beautiful. And then half of it is like the type of personality you need to be able to have a Slovak woman. And one of it was like work really hard, (laughs) hard work.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's, you know, what that's probably true. That's probably true. Yeah. I would say.
1: Now, what do you feel about? About in Canada, do you feel? Or okay, let's talk about the West Coast in Vancouver yep. first. Though, do you feel like the work culture there is fast uh, compared to Slovak or, uh, Slovakia or is it um, slower? Is it more laid back?
0: Um, definitely laid back more, I would say. And this is coming depends if you go to experiential marketing or healthcare, uh, because I can see the nurses and paramedic working and working really hard in here as well as anywhere else. Uh, with experience marketing, I remember a couple of times when we show up, and team of 22 of them show up, so I don't know if that's just a young generation, but, um, yeah, I think I have, like, mixed uh, experience. Depends which field, but I think people are just people, so if you do have a quiet standard and worlds and you grow up in family who show you that, and, and then you're probably a hard worker. Um, but, yeah, it's definitely... There's no... This is the first time that I heard that if you really feel, for example, unwell, um, you really have to explain at home what's going on. And sometimes you have to see the proof. So you have to go to the doctor and you send it to your chief and you show that you broke finger or you have a flu. Uh, In here, people would just tell you to stay home and get better and please take as much long time as you need. So that's definitely different than I remember back from Europe.
1: But that depends on the job because I okay yeah first let's quickly explain what experimental marketing is um, because some listeners might not know. So we met doing experimental marketing. Um, We could could also call us brand ambassadors and in some cases promo models um, (laughs) or promotional models. Right. And what we would do is set up different campaigns and we would always be an in-person live experience. And it could be something at a big event um, where we would have a booth set up at, let's say, a concert, or it could be something more experimental where we're really just walking around with a bag of goodies and getting people to sign up, getting people to have a good experience with a product. Um, but that's kind of what we did, and that could switch from week to week because we were contract workers. Uh, for instance, one week I might be um, promoting organic um, granola bars, and the next week I might be promoting cigarettes.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> right? Um, so, yeah, you you think that in the work culture it was a little bit different with experimental marketing. But I remember when we worked with people from out east in Canada, they said how much slower and lazier we were in the west of Canada. True, true, yeah. Cool.
0: It is also it's yeah. such a, it's such a wonderful experience when you're when you're doing experiential marketing, don't you think? Like you meet so many people from different uh, countries, and most of them, I believe, they want to be in actors or musicians, right? So quite a talented bunch of people and um yeah. I believe there was was always kind of a sidekick for most of them. So I never really take that as a as a reflection of how they would normally work and what's their work ethic because I always thought like that's just a geek for them, right? So I believe like I saw most of the experienced marketing people when they were trying to do audition and they work over the clock, overnight, try to memorize stuff and then just, you know, giving a chocolate or working on the car uh, car model they will just be a little bit more lazy I would say right so it's just kind of a hard to um, judge like how lazy or not lazy people are in that in that particular field because it was more like fun for all of us I believe than actually a job
1: yeah yeah that's true yeah. and now that I'm not in the industry anymore and you're not either I think we can be honest about some of the things that happened <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. so- <laughs> Um, But there, there were campaigns where I worked my ass off because, as you said, you're with a good group of people and yeah. sometimes they're really fun. Uh, sometimes you have a good management team and you just want to get the product out there because you think it's a cool product. You're in a good environment. Um, But there were other times because, as you said, it was a side gig. It was just for money and you actually want to yeah. focus on something else. We would cheat the system big time. Uh-huh. Like, you <laughs> Um, I remember this was during, I'm not going to say which campaign, (laughs) Uh, but it was during the hurricane in the Philippines. And we were getting paid nine hours a day or something like that. And we had to hand out so many, um, so much of this product. (laughs) And, of course, you have to get the pictures as proof, right? Because you also need to have the pictures for, for the marketing purposes afterwards yeah. on social media or just for internal marketing purposes. And we would get all the pictures done within an hour, even though we're getting paid for eight or nine. And then we took all the granola, uh, so, okay, okay, granola bars. <laughs> I'm not going to say the name. This is granola bars. Uh, I'm not going to say the name of the company. Then... We brought them to um I forget which charity it was, but they shipped all of the granola bars to the Philippines well, to help cool. out there.
0: Yeah, that's nice.
1: Yeah, we we did a good thing, yeah. but really like it was not what the, the company would have wanted, of course. We would we would have gotten fired if yeah they found
0: yeah. it. Yeah. The granola bars was funny ones. Any chocolate and granola bars, I feel like you remember that people know we buy the face. Depends what like some did you work as a mascot ever?
1: No, I didn't do any of the mascot.
0: I did so many different um plays as a mascot and, and I never knew what to do. I remember I was on a PNE as a bear getting a chocolate. I have no idea where the children's are because I couldn't see in front of me. I just randomly move and I was I always think that's very unsafe. But I always love when people remember you with a chocolate when the when the the I would say the the promotion begin and then during the summer when they see you with a chocolate to offer you a chocolate they just run away from you like it's just it was yeah. so much certain products so much chocolate so much granola bars we went to shelters we went to schools we went to everywhere and sometimes they just said no oh. anymore <laughs> like it's just yeah <laughs> i remember so it was a alone and loved of tracks for chocolates for sure and and uh yeah it, in the beginning everyone wants it so people ask if they can have more in a month or two, it was just kind of like you were the person who have to beg them to get
1: the chocolate. But just to bring this into the cultural aspect, because of course, this show is all about culture. Experimental marketing doesn't really exist outside of Canada and uh, the United States. Why do you think that is?
0: No idea. Um, I haven't studied marketing, so that's a good question. But uh, yeah, we we don't. I never remember that in Europe um there are certain commercials i don't know how what's how much they have for budget um no idea really no idea
1: so i asked someone about it um and they said it's because uh, north americans are more likely to show customer loyalty to a specific brand mm-hmm. um But I don't know if that's true because I meet so many people here that, you know, once they're Apple users, they're Apple users. Mm -hmm. Or when it comes to cars, it's not another level here, right? Like the rivalry between BMW, Audi, and uh, Mercedes in Europe is just huge. So that answer didn't make sense to me. So what do you think? Because that's what I read. That's talking to marketing specialists. But just from your own opinion, what else do you think it could be?
0: Um, I, I would say this this is definitely a part of his uh, uh, finances and budget for sure. I can see that the culture back home and I've really just, this is just what I, what I think is that maybe if you give too many products for free, it will be a really uh, fast gone. Uh, Remember the chocolate kind of example that I said? Um, and it might be just going back to the communist side that people didn't have as much. So I'm not sure how it will go if if you have lots of people just offering a free products everywhere. Um, maybe slowly you get exposed and they get used to it. But um, I don't think we knew that. So I think there will be a, maybe a line of people who will stay for chocolates, just like back in the you know 80s. I'm not sure. But also I think that no one's gonna sit in a car and do a test drive. And sit with some yeah. stranger next to them and drive them around the cities in a stick. You know what I mean? Like that's when I, <clears throat> um, when I think about back in the time when we used to do a test drive, I think that was the that that was the definitely freakiest time when you sit next to a stranger and you have to just believe that it's not a psychopath who's going to just run through the wall, like. Can imagine like we were in in our twenties, so everything was fun. But now when I thought about it, like I see to so many people through so many series, and they were like, "Oh, how fast is it gonna go?" I'm like, "Oh, is this really what I'm doing oh, for a yeah. It's like, "Oh, you know."
1: Right. Like remember when we were in Whistler and we just we had the the new yeah, and we just took people on an obstacle yeah, course. Yeah. So they could have killed. Oh yeah. Me. yeah. Well, one guy, a few people almost did oh, yeah. kill me. Oh, yeah. Like on that obstacle yeah. course, you're like, okay, you can go yeah. over sixty, and then they would just. Done it. Yeah.
0: And then you have a, like it was true the crank works, so everywhere were like a free booze, and there is no way to test an alcohol. For me, that's a huge component, right? It was like, oh, you have a signed this waiver, you didn't consume any alcohol. It was like, who are you gonna believe? They're like, you know, twenty one, they have fun on crank works, so of course they have a couple of beers.
1: And crank works, everyone's part.
0: So it's it was <laughs> it was definitely something I would never do again.
1: But that's the strange thing about it too, because. Usually in Canada I find that there are more rules than in Europe. Yeah. Right? You go to a ski resort in Canada and you just see how safe everything is set up, yeah. right? The chair lifts, you're boxed in, and then you go to a European ski resort and like they're they're fine, but it's free bird. They don't have the same safety standards or they're just not as obsessed yeah. with uh, little rules and stuff. But then all of a sudden with like, the marketing world is completely different. It's it's strange yeah. or like another thing I thought about maybe it's because there there are more rules that they have the experimental marketing because experimental marketing we were always in a grey zone mm-hmm. with legal and legality right okay. and for instance like uh, advertising cigarettes is legal in Canada okay. not in Germany right yeah. there you can still find advertisements but then in Canada, there's just always loopholes. Like I remember when we were marketing, well, not not you. I don't think you were in this one. But when I was marketing um, uh, e-cigarettes, there were little loopholes. Like we weren't allowed to say that e-cigarettes were healthier than normal cigarettes. Mm-hmm. That would be illegal. Yeah. But we were allowed to go up to people and say, oh, we have an, a tobacco product that is less harmful. Than cigarettes, uh, because yeah. less harmful yeah. Im- could imply that you're talking about combustion because you're not mm-hmm. lighting anything on fire with the not cigarette. Exactly health. But of course, in a customer's mind, they're not going to make that association. Yeah. It's just so there's a legal loophole there. Yeah. Or you would set up big events. Um, and then at the end, everyone would get a goodie bag with cigarettes inside. But it was a white goodie bag. So you couldn't see it. Right, so in the end, saying like, "Oh, so, uh, it's not allowed; you're not allowed to advertise yeah. tobacco yeah. in Canada." It's just bullshit. Yeah. It's just, yeah. See,
0: the the drinking alcohol was quite fun when I came to Canada. To people cannot drink publicly, and also there is just the limitation where you can get the alcohol, like liquor stores and stuff. That's also not known in mm-hmm. Europe, right? Like you can buy it anywhere you want in any hour you want, and the bars doesn't have any closing times. Most of the time, they're running till the morning. And um, you don't have to hide your alcohol when you're sitting in the park or you're going to a beach or you're going somewhere on the party. You don't have to have it in a plastic bag. So it is quite rules and not rules. So it depends how you take it for sure. Um, yeah.
1: Hmm. Now, in my opinion, that's always kind of influenced the drinking culture as well because in, um, I find in many European countries, uh, what's the quote that my dad would say for, in Belgium? In Belgium, people get drunk because they like to drink. In Canada, people drink because they like to get drunk. Uh, and then just relating that to the rules, is like if you have, because Prohibition actually wasn't that long ago, right? And then you still have all these other rules. Yeah. It still has this feeling of something wrong, right? So you got to drink it quickly. Yeah. You got to do it gently. Yeah. But that's not. You shouldn't drink like that. Drinking should be something that you do slowly. Yeah. Right. Enjoy. Um, yeah. enjoy it. So, do you think there is a di- big difference in drinking culture between Slovakia and Canada?
0: Um, not that I see that much. I think. Um, I think people are drinking everywhere, and it's it's hard when you are a nurse or the paramedic that to try to see the differences. Maybe if I. <clears throat> Yeah, I think people are drinking everywhere. It's it's just the way how they have a fun for sure and the uh, hidden aspect, as you said, hiding aspect for sure. Um, yeah, I think the more drinking at home is with schnapps, like the hard liquor, uh, than a classical beer. Uh, maybe uh, Czech and Germany had more of the beer, but we always have a schnapps. My dad makes schnapps since I was a child, and uh, we also get exposure when we were children. So. I remember like sipping small schnapps like very early age and I guess you're getting the point that they expose you to alcohol so you're not crazy when you come in your 20s, right? So you don't get in a bar and you don't drink yourself to death. So I think that's a, that's a huge difference because it's really hidden in here in front of the children and I think it's good to know that if you come to puberty that you already know how to behave and how alcoholics works. And what can actually, what can be the consequences if you abuse it? And um, I think it's that's a little bit different in Europe for sure. And I, um, I'm i a product of that. So I don't drink excessively because the maybe that exposure was always there since I was small. And you see everyone drinking everywhere.
1: Um, now, let's talk about the nurses. <laughs> uh <laughs> Most nurses I know party pretty hard, uh, <laughs> and I I would even argue harder than the average person. Uh, is that a Canadian? Because most nurses I know are from BC, and so maybe it's a BC thing. Or do you think that's kind of like a a culture of nurses? Do you, do nurses on average just
0: you have to reset, two? right? You have to reset. I believe that um, it's it's a part of that uh, the, just letting go. Uh, and maybe also we party together so we know ourselves at work and so it's easy to get the good conversation and dance when you're um, when you're a nurse and go to the party together um, I experienced that in Ireland as well when I was working in um, most of the fun I have was probably there the most of my uh, partying was in Ireland and yeah that was definitely see the whole department get to a bar and and dance and laugh and share stories and drinks together. So you can call it party hard, but to be always, uh, I think it's kind of a reset button for most of us, for sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I like that. I like when a, a healthcare professional says that partying is, is a reset button.
0: At least for me. I mean, like it's not anymore. It's just uh, once you get older, I think it's really hard to to get those morning. You know, but um, I'm glad I have that experience. It's not, it's not something you should be a ashamed. It's, it's hard if you continue. <laughs> that, I would say, it's probably not well-recommended.
1: Um, yeah, of course. The, and I think you we yeah. start talking about addictive yeah. personalities, yeah. and, of course, that goes down a different... Uh,
0: but it's part uh, of your youth, too, right? Like, it's part of... Yeah.
1: Yeah. How, how old are you no,
0: I will be 40 in April. Oh, okay, yeah. it's gonna be a twenty years nice. um, that I left Slovakia pretty much. After the nursing school, I yeah. went um, to travel to different countries and work abroad and away. Yeah.
1: So you spent your your thirties in Canada.
0: Uh yes, that's right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And when is the last time you went back home?
0: I visit usually every summer. It used to be a winters, but then I realized there short days and everyone is just at home cozy so now i go pretty much every every year and i go for quite extended holiday i usually go for like two months because my parents got a big garden and and uh, they're wonderful parents and i have lots of friends at home i'm very lucky the same in czech republic so i usually enjoy really the summers in europe yeah yeah
1: and now, when you go back, right? Because I know it's not not the best thing to ask about age. Sometimes I don't, I don't know why. Yeah. Um, but the reason I ask is because it has a big influence on how how much traveling affects your personality, oh, yeah. right? Um, like if you spent your youth in Canada, that makes a big difference than spending your your thirties right. in Canada, right? Um, but now you feel <clears throat> like more Canadian in some ways or
0: 100% 100% I think so
1: how what in what ways are you Canadian
0: now um it shaped my perspective for so in so many ways how I see the world um very open-minded um that
1: do you feel on average that Canadians are more open-minded
0: for sure and um, just with, without as much judgment, you know, I always used to think that what I, gr- what I grew up in, what I see, what I uh, learn, that must be applicable for everyone. Like everyone has the same um, type of life. And um, in Canada, I learned that you can have that, especially with so many immigrants and different way of living, that everyone has different sense of family Um, work, uh, life in general, if they do sports or if they just um, travel or if they take care of their gardens, it's just I don't even know how to frame that but um, I feel like I do live in the potential that I always see in myself here Um, and every any type of topic, any type of communication I want to open up with any of my Canadian friends, I have no fear to open up any hard conversation, Uh, politics, race, uh, economics, uh, anything that comes to even like in Europe. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, mental health. health That's a huge difference between the Europe that I know. I'm I'm not talking about the Europe as the whole continent, obviously, but the Slovakian part of uh, where we are just, just getting slowly there is a huge, it's a huge gap. And it is, that's definitely Canada is so much forward. Um, yeah and I feel like it's nicely intertwined because um, I have a good sense of community so I feel like my purpose is to connect people and I love connecting people and I love listening and, and asking stories I'm very curious in, in, in just like that's my nature so I love really just getting people together in a conversation that you might find uncomfortable but when you just give them time and you don't have the prejudgment you, under, you, you will see a different perspective from person from India, person from America, person from China in the same environment. And healthcare, uh, the, the health industry is quite interesting because you always work with people with so many different countries and uh, the topics are always there, right? You might come to a patient that has challenging backgrounds and now you ask your, your co-workers or your friends about their opinion and you see a different backgrounds coming with different opinions but it's not the point to um, agree but just bringing different points to the conversation and uh, and different look if that makes sense
1: yeah it does and from my experience I, I agree especially when it comes to mental health now that I'm back here in Europe I notice how it's still taboo um to talk about depression in ways like you still might have that attitude towards a man being like suck it up oh yeah um or oh that girl's just being whiny right like you still have that here which is horrible in my opinion um or then just like it's less politically correct you still hear people call people who are moody bipolar right In, in north america that would not fly anymore um but when it comes, and then open-mindedness towards recreational drugs. Oh, yeah. I think that might be a West Coast thing. Like, we, we love recreational drugs on, yeah. on the West Coast.
0: Slovakia is very...
1: But also just in an intelligent yeah. way, right? Like, here, people like them too, but they just associate it with partying. Whereas in the West Coast, like, microdosing with magic mushrooms, LSD, like, you can have a conversation about that. Here, the second you want to have a conversation about that, Um, unless that person has traveled to North America pretty much it's just like oh my god no you're a drug addict it's like no I'm just talking about microdosing with magic mushrooms. and you haven't been in Slovakia with this so don't even try please it's it's very hard
0: I would say you will don't don't bring it up conversation in Czech Republic and in different places but yeah we're we're not there yet at all like it's just it's hard it's a hard opening conversation how beneficial those things can be for us and I would say from um mental health when I was nurse uh, I was in i c u in um uh, oncology like people who were die from a blood cancer right and I give you example that we went through lots of horrifying um uh, days where um you bring the stories at home right you you suffer you you feel the pain there were no any um mental health support we do have a counselors here like the ambulance is amazing to take care of your mental health for sure. Like I've never been that spoiled. Like every time you want it, you just have your counselor and you go through this and out they automatically actually contact you after each call. So it's it's very, very different than what I remember from back home in terms of mental health mm-hmm. and how they take care of the healthcare workers particularly, you know? So that's a huge difference for yeah.
1: sure. Uh, now but So healthcare, yeah, you're right. Um, But then I'm just thinking about open-mindedness when it comes to people from different cultures and everything. Um, Because in Vancouver, for sure, I had the same experience as you, right? You can find people from all over. People are willing to discuss different viewpoints. Um, But nowadays, when I go back to Canada, I find that people are quite polarized. And sometimes when you bring up a different opinion and i've i brought this up on another episode as well and it seems that people's identities are attached to mm-hmm. their opinions right so when you don't agree with someone's opinion it's like a personal mm-hmm. affront on their identity so then you can't actually have a conversation and and you can't yeah. open your mind or grow um And then here, maybe it's just Spain. I've noticed it's so easy to have a conversation with someone who might have a different opinion when it comes to like political type things or social political type things. Um, So there, I don't know, maybe people are open-minded here, but maybe I'm more talking about Spain. And the difference might be in Canada. I also lived in a small town. And I think that might make a difference. So in Slovakia, did you live in a small town or did you live
0: uh, so grew up in a or have been born in a small town and live in a city that is about sixty thousand people, but very close to the village where my grandpa and grandma actually um live. Yeah, very big family. My grandpa got twelve siblings, so quite a big family. They have animals and gardens, so um, yeah, very community. It's in in to put it this way, for a foreigner, like in Slovakia, I feel like, I feel like most of the time when you live there, people know people everywhere you go. Like you know your local postman, you know your butcher, you know your doctor, you know your lawyer, you know neighbors in in the whole corridor. is that you pretty much know people. It's very This the community sense is way different than having in Canada. But um, yeah, I grew up in a in a city, like a small city.
1: A small city, but maybe that's also why, right? Because when you're comparing Vancouver to a small city in BC, you might also say, wow, the people in the small town are not as open-minded to to different cultures or not as open-minded.
0: I have experienced, so for almost three years, I believe two and a half years, I work as a paramedic on a small place called Sayward on Northern Vancouver Island with 800 people. Yeah amazing experience i would never have this experience ever if i'd never work with the BCM blood it was really really interesting and um you see people with different opinions but i wouldn't say close-minded at all and it's just it, it was a very small town um and a different culture and um but uh not neither even close to close-minded very open-minded actually
1: yeah yeah Definitely. but that's also the yeah. west coast right uh i think when you go into the interior small town it's a, it could be a little bit different um but you're right you're right the, the i think the more i reflect on it the the more i realize how overminded people are in um in uh british you know coast. how i do that yeah, sorry but what would it be like in the capital of slovakia um what would the capital but bada- right, bada- Just like a sla- big capital huh? But
0: uh, can I just get back to, so you know how I know if it's open-minded or closed minded that I brought certain foreigners at home and I see how my parents are curious and always just, you know, I'm I'm a product of my parents, so I've always been curious and I ask people if they have a different background, where you're from, what's the culture like, what do you eat, what is your Christmas look like? Um, but not everyone's the same at home. Like we do have, some people are really not interested as much of a different culture and and they wait to see the world is the slovakian way to see the world but um when i was for example in Sayward or kamloops or small places that um i have the same experience people who never travel or leave that small town canadian people will ask me the same question so how your parents look like and what what is a summer in slovakia look like they were interested and they're like they're like honestly interested in my life and knowing me and bringing me food and uh thanks me for the job and just invite me for their private like family parties and celebration and gathering so uh i went to really different places thanks to my work i was really mesmerized by how people are welcoming and actually interesting in you
1: yeah oh, okay well, you're an ambassador for yeah
0: busy. yeah i can sell the bc I, I i have been told this uh from many people that they said oh you sold me bc every time i get you a look, I will show you the best of Vancouver and what can offer you for sure. So hopefully, yeah, why not? You choose to be living here, so you want to um, see the best <laughs> and you want to know the hidden treasures too. Yeah, so that's a good way. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so now, now that we're talking about personality, one thing I also want to ask, uh, because, and well, probably not most of the listeners on this show, because I think most people here are quite interested in culture. But one problem I find, especially in Hollywood movies, um, and obviously that gets perpetuated into the culture as well, is that Eastern Europeans get lumped together sometimes as one culture, yeah. right? Um, which is completely wrong. There, <laughs> there's so many different yeah. languages, different foods, even though there are relations, of course. Um, but <clears throat> what do you find ideal? I, how do you identify um as as a slovak someone from slovakia you cha- like what you
0: challenge me Nolan. you really do um because i always um <laughs> i hate the world hate but i hate patriotism i feel like the world shape you and the more you travel the, you know yourself but the more you emigrate and live somewhere for a su- substantial amount of time it change you and then sometimes you kind of lost the ground like the in in a good way not in a bad way not in a sentimental or because I feel the nostalgia can be something that can be good but also can be quite bad if you if you use it in the wrong way Um, I think I still have the sense for culture the folk I love our folk music and the architectures every time I go home I appreciate way more the history and everything that is still there that any of my friends I would say like I get I get I get mesmerized by things that if you live there you just get used to it and I stop and I touch and I smell and I love those little things when I and it again brings the nostalgia from my childhood um, I love to talk to elderly always did uh, because I think they still have the skills that we're forgetting Slovakia used to be a lot of like handcrafted stuff working with woods, working with
1: sheep and wool and I think we looked yeah, it has the highest number or highest concentration of yeah, wooden churches. it's like, the tallest basically.
0: one, actually. The tallest in uh, in Europe and the, the, the oldest. Yeah, the there's Yeah, uh, the, the number of castles per capita, I think, I think, is the highest. The churches, like, the history is, this is really small. picturesque. And, and for that small uh, town, you can people used to just travel and see all the castles and having a stamp card. So you can see them all in, like, a, I don't know, three-day trip. Um, what is funny that when you go see, when you mostly go to castles in, for example, like Ireland or Scotland, you will see the structure, but very rarely you will see the full furnished uh, castle. In Slovakia, you still have the rooms with the with uh, the tables and the silverware and where they sleep. So it's just it's really uh, interesting history, and it feels like nothing moves um, <laughs> because, like, yeah, you feel like the the king is just somewhere behind the door, because it looks like it someone lives there. Um, I believe the part of Slovakia that I still have with me is the sense of community, for sure. And I love, as a woman, I love cooking. I love doing small, like, little tiny projects. I love knitting and all these, like, funny things. Um, Yeah, carving, carving wood. And, yeah, just, just stuff that brings me pleasure, just what I saw in my parents and my grandparents. In that time, when I was young, I was like, "Ooh, that's so lame! I would never do that. I will go to America, and I will never do anything like this." And uh, you, yeah, you reach your thirties, and you kind of almost crave for those things, and and then it reminds you kind of who
1: you are in that sense, and
0: brings you pleasure.
1: Um, mm-hmm. So, do you find it sounds like you're saying that in Slovakia, it's a little bit more collectivistic? Um, like a little bit that's more community more, yeah. oriented
0: you are the teacher you know the Eng- english is my third language that's why i have a little broken so my second is german so that's why i never went to school for english so if you ever wonder like how she can teach actually like her english is quite broken that's how i learn by listening to irish people that's quite fun
1: Oh, okay. Well, your your English is really good. But I remember eight years or seven years ago, we had a conversation about that once. Um, we were talking about speaking different languages. And you mentioned that you miss not being able to speak your mother tongue because you feel like you're funnier oh, yeah. and more intelligent in you your mother tongue. That? I think you're intelligent oh, in English. Uh, yeah.
0: I still think that. Uh,
1: I forget which, which convention we were in, but it was it was for some convention and we went around.
0: I still think that. I still do things that because there is certain impression in Slovakian language that you cannot translate directly. And it's actually weird if you translate. I try, but it's really weird.
1: Okay, t- tell me so some. Because I, I love idioms and I love getting into discussions. So about I, try, um,
0: I try, I don't know if that's an idiom, but there's certain type of sayings that we have my sister lives in Scotland and we tried to translate that to her Scottish boyfriend. He enormously laughs. It's like the laugh of his family. is like, Veronica, say some saying in Slovakia. Like, it wouldn't make sense to you. It's just, uh, it's really traditions from back home that, yeah, it's, those are just sayings. Like, I try to apply that sometimes at work and people, I, I can see the look of people where
1: they're like, I don't know what she just said and why. Can you say one of them um but, but in in your language
0: I have to just, Oh yeah so like uh so like a calls a piece on a wall why would you like a frozen piece or piece on the wall is makes like it doesn't make sense to do the same job over and over
1: so okay well, what does it sound like can you can you say it in your language? Because i want to just hear it, it. if okay yeah, so yeah throwing peas against the wall or we and what does that It's like you're trying to do the same job um yeah
0: but it doesn't make sense anymore to do that because it doesn't give you any um kind of rewards but you would you wouldn't see any outcome like it's like it's like useless jobs doing over and over like something like it doesn't make sense, but you just keep doing that for, yeah. Or, or you're going for a walk, no. and oh, okay. we said um, there is no, like, it was so empty, there was no food in there. And my my Toronto friend, Caitlin, she always laughs. She's like, say something in Solakim saying. it was like, um, how about we go for a hike and there's no food? I'm like, yeah, you remember that one, right? And it's just like, again... In Slovak, it sounds that Aninoha, uh, nieta mani but it doesn't make sense if you translate that. It's just something we we'll keep saying, and it's just going and makes sense in that language. But also, we do have a specific language. Remember, as you asked me for my last name, the OVA, we have uh, certain types of things that <clears throat> maybe a teacher, maybe maybe a Slovak teacher, will be able to uh, uh, answer those questions too. But um that would be or we have all the fingers are the same. If you go to a doctor and you broke finger or toe, you just tell them fingers because we don't have fingers and toes.
1: Uh it's the same in Spanish, just yeah. needles.
0: you know those things. Yeah. And the OBA is quite specific, so you, you will always know you will always know you speak to a female if you if the last name ends with OVA.
1: Yeah, yeah. So you mentioned that earlier and I think that's interesting as well because uh, it's it's helpful, right? Like as yeah. you mentioned with doctors, right? Because there are situations where, uh, especially a woman, might want yeah. a female doctor,
0: yeah. or what to expect. Uh, yeah, it's just it's just, interesting. Yeah, th- those are def- definitely different languages for sure. How easy was it for you to learn uh, Spanish?
1: Um, it's alright. Like I'm still struggling. Like I, I mean, I can speak about anything with everyone. Um. But yeah, I definitely feel dumb sometimes, right? Because you're just constantly looking for words. You're constantly looking for ways to express yourself in the best way. Um, But there are situations now where I'd rather speak in Spanish than in English, right? There are just some expressions that work better in Spanish and um, also some things that are just funny in Spanish because it has cultural context to it. And it's just not funny in English because it just doesn't have that same cultural context. Um, yeah, uh, but I wouldn't say it's easy. It wasn't, it wasn't easy for me. It's definitely a struggle and I definitely still get frustrated. I throw childish tantrums sometimes when I, when it doesn't go my way. Um, but that's, I, I enjoy it. That's, important. Yeah. that's very important. Do you use your hands a lot? Cause I used to use hands all the time. Uh, yeah, but I didn't even notice this. Um, but my friend said it the other day, uh, he came last month to visit. And he said, I don't speak any Spanish, Nolan, but I always know when you're talking about the past and using the past tense because you always (laughs) go like this. Because sometimes I'm worried like, oh, no, did I use the correct uh, past tense? So just to make sure that they understand, (laughs) I do the hand gesture pointing backwards. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Okay, so this is a question I ask most uh, multilingual people on the show. Do you feel like when you were learning English or when you were learning German, that you found a new part of your identity as you learned that language? Um, because I always say this was on the show, but polyglots mention mentioned that if you want to learn many languages, it's a good idea to find a different identity. Interesting. With that
0: language. I'm just wondering, like, in what sense? You know what I'm asking? <laughs>
1: um. Okay, like, so... For instance, uh, well, Flemish for me, I learned it when I was a child, right? So for me, that part of my identity when I speak Flemish, I feel very Mm -hmm. clean in a way um, because I associate it with family. Um, I don't swear very often. English, I mean, (laughs) I grew up with it. I had my early 20s with English, so I swear a little bit more. Um, I'm comfortable talking about taboo subjects. Uh, Now, in Spanish, um, I want to be a refranero, which means someone that knows a lot of references and, like, uses a lot of idioms and stuff. And I'm trying to develop that part of myself, but it's difficult. And then more just naturally, I find in Spanish, well, as I said, dumber, but that's obviously not a personality thing. That's just a lack of words. Um, But I do feel like I'm starting... People complain here more, I find, than in, in English. Yes. Uh, it's it's more common to complain, and I find that I, I start to complain a bit more.
0: We have it's that in Slovakia quite a lot. Okay, so I think I know what you're asking me now. <clears throat> I think I um, struggle with mixing a couple languages together. I honestly honestly don't think that I'm fluent the way I used to be in Slovakian, <clears throat> because it kind of intertwines with the Czech my ex-husband was Czech, and uh, my current boyfriend is Czech. So I think, and I lots of Czech people, so that very those languages are very similar. And if I speak too fast, I use some words that are just comfortable, or I get used to them. Um, so I've been quite criticized when I get back in Slovakia that I I don't speak as you know I make lots of grammar mistakes and stuff like that. So sometimes I feel not as secure when I speak Slovakian, not as uh, not as articulate. Um, in English, I still have stutter if I speak to people who give me the impression that they don't understand me. And that sometimes happens. Um, uh, but I really enjoy that language. I really enjoy speaking English. I feel like I speak out of my heart. And um, it is who I am right now. So I feel like um, it give me that, uh, I don't know, just just using any words that I ever, ever want to. Um, I do I do feel more freedom to express in um in um the way I want it in, in English. But then if I speak in medical lingo or let's say my dad in the garden and we make jokes, that's still definitely Slovakian where I just lose a tiny bit of um myself into the Slovakian humor and uh yeah. We still have like all Slovakian sayings too or not sayings but the language that my grandma used to speak and it's a very specific accent too so that's what i do when i speak to my dad and my sister we make those jokes and we speak that accent together and uh yeah and and in that time i feel like i'm seven again you know like those um i guess language comes with the memory and again the nostalgia i feel like every time i speak different language i just feel like I'm that time, in that place where I remember I learned that language. Is that, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Though that that's a very good point. Um, yeah, I would like some. I need to talk some to some more people that were raised speaking four languages or raised speaking five languages because, like you, well, I I was raised speaking Flemish and English. I guess pretty much at the same time, um, but I still associate Flemish. With my younger life a bit more, um, and then now Spanish. So, so like you, it's I'm it, more associated with different phases in my life. But I wonder what it's like for people that grew up. Speaking that will be like very That will be very once.
0: interesting. I would know. I would know like, to know that as well. That's very interesting.
1: If you if you meet yeah. someone like that, tell them to come on the show. Or any listeners right now, if you're one of those people who was raised with four languages, uh, reach out to me at without borders. Fyi or leave a comment in whatever platform you're listening on right now, and let me know and come on the show. (laughs) Okay. Well, we're over an hour here. So just to finish this up, um, I want to know just a little bit more what you want the listeners to know about Slovakia, because before I didn't know too much about the country. Um, and then recently, I I found out yeah, as we talked about the churches, I found out that it has one of the highest number of springs and fresh water. Um, then the capital, the capital, um, Bratislava, is the is the only city where it borders two independent countries, because uh, it borders um, yeah Austria and hung- Hungary, right? Yeah. So that's, that's fascinating. So what are just a few other things you you want um,
0: to As you to? mentioned, I oh. love to visit. <clears throat> in a short period of time, you can visit um, two different countries as well. It still has beautiful folk traditions. Like if you, and a huge history, and folk history, and again, the castles, and it's just picturesque. You don't need too much money to spend, and you can, in a quite a bit of short time, travel through different villages that each of them looks very uh, different as well. Um, there's a certain amount of farms too, if you're into that too. We have lots of sports. If you're a paraglider, if you're a slugliner, if you're a kayaker or skier, you will have lots of fun there. Um, and from my opinion, I would say people are very kind. There is no way you will suffer somewhere on the street or you will get lost or, or, or some kind of a crime scenario i would say it's quite safe and people are really really kind they will offer you food most of the time um if not like place to sleep and uh yeah they will definitely guide you if you want to see some hidden treasures they're not like hiding that we don't have as much tourists that in vancouver if you want to see a hidden treasures you have to really dig deeper because there's so many tourists and at home you really see a staff that you will be by yourself next to a waterfall or you know, like the scenery you always want to have for your Instagram pictures you can find there for sure, and uh yeah, yeah i just I just feel like people are generally very lovely and very <clears throat> very nice to foreigners, and some of them are my parents they're they're interesting in you, they want to know where you are from and what language do you speak, what do you eat, yeah, so that would be a good reason to perfect
1: uh, then one more thing before people go uh what about is there anything? special related to etiquette that people should know? Because I read that you have to be invited before using someone's oh. first.
0: Um, that comes to a German language as well. So I really, oh, this is terrible for me because I'm not a teacher. I don't want to screw this up. But um, we do speak to elderly and people you don't know in a different ways. Uh, but it wouldn't make sense if you speak English. And if you speak English, just use the last name and it will be safe. Uh, but yeah, like we, we use a little bit different, uh, lingo when you know someone. And, uh, so if you just use the last name, will be fine. And they will correct you if they, if if they feel uncomfortable, they will just say, yes, please call me John or call me Ava. Right. So you wouldn't be that it's not, it is an etiquette for local people for sure. And you will, if you start with that, you're not going to get wrong, but nobody from what I remember will get very offended if you just say, Hi, Veronica. Like it wouldn't be it wouldn't be that bad.
1: No. Okay. Okay, good to know. And um what about going inside? I heard like Canada and unlike the rest of Europe, you take
0: <laughs> <off your> shoes, <laughs> you go me, into
1: someone's me, house. Yeah. Is that correct? We
0: always laugh on Beverly Hills uh the, Okay. What was that movie remember? back in the 90s that everyone was just even like going to the bed with the shoes I was like well, how weird is this um, yeah so please
1: yeah that's like it in most of Europe people like I, I, I'm I, the weirdo here in Spain when people come over I always say please take off your shoes and now I provide slippers for everyone because uh, I think it's disgusting yeah, but it's
0: slippers it's how, it's how, slippers it's is something to do. real different What's again so? in Slovakia and my Canadian friends Kevin always lo- love it nice it's like, feel it hope he's my neighbor and I was like, what do you mean sleepers? Because he came to my house and I was like, are you cold from a feed? <laughs> and he was like, "Why? Are you, like, you if I'm cold on a feed, I might be cold on the head and I might be like a sweater. Why are you asking me if I'm cold from a feed? And he's such a Slovakian saying that if you're cold on a feed, we're going to give you sleepers. So he was like, wait a minute. Do you have like each size sleepers for each person? So I remember I laughed so much. I was like, no, you just get like in some general sleepers for each of you. And you just, we just take care of your feet for sure. Like if you called for a feet, you got to get sleepers.
1: (laughs) Awesome. Okay, good. Now I feel comfortable going there in the winter as well. All right. Well, Eva, thank Thank you you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Um, For all the listeners right now. Remember, if you want to join in on the conversation or add something, please check out withoutborders.fyi. I do rely on paid subscriptions to keep this going. Um, And of course, you can find me on YouTube or Instagram as well.
0: Thank you, Noah. Thank you for the beautiful work you do.